Fantastic. Well, we are uh, just like freaking anybody else out. This is our second to the last time that we'll ever be in this building together. So, man, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we're in the series. We're going to be uh, wrapping it up here called uh, Hold On. And today we're going to talk about, how, as Mike said, holding on to the goal. But I just want to say, um, one of the greatest surprises to me when I received Jesus Christ in my life and I began this journey of having an intimate relationship with God was this realization that eternal life is now. Because I, I think you, you, you just kind of figure that eternal life is heaven. And once I die, then I get to actually experience um, eternal life. But the scripture is so clear. We talked about it last week. I'm going to touch again, again uh, today. That once you receive Christ, that life is now. And so uh, here's some scriptures. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace. We have it. We have peace with God now through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And one of the greatest messages that I think comes through Jesus Christ is the message of grace. And that's something you're in. If you're a follower of Christ, you live in that. You stand in grace right now. Chapter 8, verse 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. Yeah. Like, I'm serious. Like, right now. So that means no matter what you did this weekend, no matter what struggles you have, no matter what sins are in your past, all sin was put in Christ, taken away, punished, and somehow, if you've received that forgiveness, Jesus looks at you, God looks at you, without blemish, free from accusation, now. That is freaking good news. All right. Then he says, for you died. Colossians 3.3, 3, you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now it's deep. But last week we talked about what's eternal life? Eternal life is Christ is in me, I'm in him. My life, his spirit and my spirit, he's that close. And so right now, your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's what you have right now. And then a, a classic favorite passage, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. That's a past tense. That's something that happened. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. So I, I just know for me, that, that, that was one of the greatest discoveries is that when I receive Christ, he's like, guess what, man? Jesus said, I'm gonna usher in the kingdom of God. I'm gonna show what it is to be one with God and live a life that is absolutely supernatural. And now I'm living in you. You die, if you receive Christ, you die to yourself, your sin's taken away, and you no longer live. Christ lives in you so that you now can live a new life, now. <laughs> and so you guys, guess what the church is, right? The church is a group of people who've had this experience, who gather together, a church should be a place where life is happening when? Now. That's right. It's a place, as we learned last week, because this is eternal life. This is Christ. It's not about me. It's about Okay, let's say that. Everybody, it's not about me. It's about us. It's about us. 
Now, what we're going to learn today is that us gets expanded. That us that we live for, because Christ lives for it, gets expanded. But I want to tell you, man, in these last days, as we're getting ready to close up, having so many conversations with people and just celebrating what God has done here these last 10 years. And uh, before we move on, let's, uh, I want to share uh, Eric Dickey. I want to introduce you to Eric Dickey, and he's going to share his story with us. Let's watch this. I landed here in December of uh, 2011, and I landed here with just a suitcase and $160 in my pocket. I knew that I had to rely on Christ, but yet I had nothing. It was, it was a loneliness. Um, for four weeks, I didn't go to church. Um, I found a job like two days after I got here, and I worked, so I worked all day and just went back to the hotel room, and, um, but yet I had a, a, a need to, to belong to a group. So as I was riding on tracks, I noticed K2, and I decided one week, I said, you know, I'm just gonna be, uh, uh, I'm just gonna go there, because I needed to belong to a group of people. When I first walked through the doors of K2, I w walked over, um, I was in the parking lot, and I, and I asked, um, I think it was Tom Smith, matter of fact, he was in the parking lot, and I asked him, I said, so how does this church work, you know? He says, well, there's two, two churches, there's a, it's a white box and a red box, and um, he speaks at both boxes. I was like, oh, okay. I, I thought maybe you gave a message different from the white box from the red box, you know, and I, and I thought it was funny because the white box was white and the red box was red, and I thought, well, maybe all the sinners go in the red box since that's almost like hell, and all the, in the white box, that was heaven. So, so apparently you were almost finishing the white box, so I'm like, hmm, so it must be fitting for me to go into the red box. But I never forget, when I walked into the red box, I, I heard this music. The doors were shut, and they were doing praise and worship at the time, and I didn't know exactly how it worked, and then I walked into, uh, walked in the, into the lobby, and there was a young lady there, and I was just asking her a question, you know, about church service and how, how it actually happens. And, and she just stopped, and I'll never forget this. She said, uh, because I was feeling so low at that point. She said, come and follow me. Exactly what Christ said. that makes me cry every time I say this story. But that's all she said was, come and follow me. And she opened the doors, and all I heard was people giving praise and worship to Christ. Sitting in the back, so broken. So broken. I knew this was the place. Because the people, when they worship, they worship with, with the desire passion to serve and to worship Christ. After that Sunday, I, I thought for sure I heard you say that there was a Bible study on Wednesday nights. I couldn't wait. That Monday and that Tuesday, I was just so anxious that Wednesday came, and I was excited. And I drove up into the parking lot, and um, I saw the cars, and I was like, man, I'm just going to get more of this. And Alan Eckstein was at the door, and he said, can I help you? I said, yeah, I'm here for the Bible study. He said, um, there's no Bible study here. I said, well, I thought for sure I heard Dave say something about a Bible study. He says, hold on for a second. He went in, he walked, he said, no, there's no Bible study, but there's a men's group that we have, you're welcome to stay. 
And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll stay. I just told him, you know, basically, you know, I just brand new and all the rest of it. And then he said, why don't you come to my house tomorrow night? We have a personal men's group on Thursday night. And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll go. And it was, a, it was a strange group of eight men. And I can remember each and every one of their names and faces to this day. And it's just remarkable. I consider those um, the eight men. I, I would love for them to carry my coffin because they were instantly my brothers, instantly. And I thought that was just amazing. They prayed for me and I just told them what exactly what I was going through. And that following week, I think seven of the eight called me. Seven of the eight called me. That's life together. That's life together. It's not like the two hours on Sunday. It's not just being in that men's group a couple of hours, but when they call you, and say, hey man, how you doing? How are you holding up? Is there anything I can do for you? What can I pray for you about? Each of those eight men, they weren't themselves. They were Jesus to me. The love that Christ has in them, they expressed towards me. So, so that's eternal life, right? Because eternal life is, is when you know Christ. And so Christ is literally living inside of those who have sincerely put their faith in him. And I love how Eric said that. Now I've been loved by Christ. So here's what I'd love for you to do if you if would do this for me. Um, and this is for next Sunday. If you all would grab your white card on, on your chair um, real quick. Um, here's what I'd love for you to do. Not, ever, not all of you in this room, but many of you in this room have some story, you have something that God has done for you by bringing you into this group of people that gather together called K2. And what I'd love for you to write down on that card is just begin to write down one thing that God has done for you through this church. What's happened and how has God touched you? You could write something about your own personal experience that he's, the, and your relationship with God and maybe some revelation that's happened in this so you understand God better. You could talk about maybe some of the inner stuff that he's done to your own heart. You could talk about relational stuff. It doesn't matter. You guys know. <laughs> but I, I just want to give you about uh, 30 seconds or so to begin thinking about what's one thing. Why are you here? And how has God met you? And how has he ministered to your heart? Because you were together in this place. So go ahead and do that and uh, take a few, uh, just a, about a minute or so, and then we'll jump into the rest of this message.
All right, so here's the deal. You guys, just throughout the whole service, you can continue um, just to fill that card out, fill out your story as much as you'd like to. And, uh, and then when we do our offering at the end of the day, just, just go ahead and take this card and drop it in the basket. And again, we'll, we'll use that for, for next Sunday. It was really sweet after the, um, after the first service. Um, there's a whole group, a whole van full of, of teenage girls who come from a recovery treatment center here every Sunday. Isn't that cool? And um, so they came down afterwards and just wanted to say thanks. And this one uh, smart, sweet girl handed me her card. And it simply says, he has given me the strength to move forward in my recovery one year clean as of one sixteen fifteen. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. All right, man. So God is on the move because life is now. And so um, as we're talking about uh, this series, the reason we're calling it Hold On is because when you move, there's always a ton of change. And so as much as things are going to change here in a couple weeks, we want to make sure what are the things that are just K2, the essence of who we are. Just like when your family moved, your family was the same, even though the facility was different. That's going to be the same about us. And so we're talking about those things that we're actually going to hold on to. So last week, I... I, uh, just shared with you guys one of the things that as I've moved uh, from different place to place, uh, the one thing that I've held on to is my mom's uh, jewelry box and kind of shared that with you. So, um, and this is the other thing I, I kind of knew from the beginning that I wanted to share with you because it's the one thing that I've actually kept with me probably the longest of anything else. Um, it's very impressive. It's, it's, here you go. So if you need any interior decorating help, I'm your guy, all right? So we put this up. But... Um, that's a picture of when I got baptized. And um, yeah, so I don't know, 16, maybe 17, maybe years old. And it was up at a uh, camp in northern Michigan at a lake. And, um, and it, it was crazy because uh, somebody mailed this picture to me uh, about two weeks after that. I don't even know who they were, but they were taking pictures, found my address, and sent this to me. So when I got that, I immediately, I was about 16 years old, because I, I had shared with you guys, I actually received Christ when I was 11, but I hadn't gotten baptized, you know, and so I was standing there, um, uh, and it was kind of funny because in my family, we didn't have much money. I, I think I only got new clothes at like Christmas and, and, my, and my birthday, you know, and, uh, but for some reason, we had gotten new clothes, and I had these really cool corduroys, you know, and, uh, and I'm an 80s child, that's a silk shirt, I'm looking good, you know. And I, I'm wearing, but I was all dressed up. And at the end of this baptism, because I didn't go up there for the baptism, I was just there. And the guy said, is there anybody else who would like to come forward and get baptized? And I remember, man, just like absolutely took off my shoes and just went right into the lake. And, um, but what I did was, I, I, so I took that picture and I just cut it, uh, this little cardboard thing out and stuck it on there. And I pasted it on my door so that every time I would walk out for the day, I'd remember what was true about me. And the little verse I put on here, um, it's all faded out now, but it says, flee from the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace and those who seek the Lord with a pure heart. So this has gone with me. It's fallen apart now. Susie had to tape it all up to even bring it here. But this will go with me everywhere I go. I'm, you know why? Because I'm, I'm holding on to this because this is the representation of when my life started with Jesus too. And that never leaves you. And I'm telling you, as a high school kid, I sinned like a banshee. I don't know what a banshee is, but I sinned like that. Um, and, and, and here's what was crazy was, in that struggle, 
Jesus never let go of me. He never let go of me. Somebody told me that this week. James, you told me, that was so funny. He goes, hey, you know, uh, sorry, but he goes, he goes, you know what's so funny? He goes, he goes, man, Dave, it's like sometimes we just walk way off like this, but we're like, a, was it a paddle ball game or something like that? It's like, what's that? Like tether ball. It's like, it comes back. And that's what Christ is like. Once he's actually in you, you can wander, you can mess up, you can screw up, and he's going to bring you back. That's why we got the prodigal son story in the Bible. It's a beautiful thing. So I'm holding on to this. And here's what we're going to talk about today. So um, that for me is the beginning of my life. And on that day, I had no idea, right? I'm 16. I had no idea that when God was calling me then, he was calling me eventually for the purpose of starting this place right here. God had a call on my life to save me from myself so I wouldn't be about me, I'd be about that was, we're going to do this a lot. I wouldn't be about me. I'd be about So here's the deal. That's what we're talking about today. That there is a goal that God has for every single one of us once we receive him. And I'm telling you, at K2 the Church, we're going to hold on to that goal. And we're never going to let it go, no matter where we are. All right? So the scripture today, Philippians chapter 3. Un, oh, fantastic passage. If you have your Bibles, pull them out. Grab your iPhone or whatever, go to version, or it's up here on the screen, and let's read this together. Whatever were gains to me now, I'm sorry, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Now, just so you understand, right before he said this, Paul kind of went down this list of all these great accomplishments, all that he was, all that he, he, he could do. And then he says, all that stuff, all those gains, now, I consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. See, there it is. I'm actually found in him. This is eternal life. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection, participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And then he goes on. And here's kind of, here's where we go. Here's how I got this uh, for our message today. Now, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. You guys remember City Slickers? Right? One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. I am pressing on toward the goal 
to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm going to press on to hold on. And so in Philippians 3.12, not that I've already obtained all this, I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So the question is, because all these are pronouns, what is that? What is it? What is it that Jesus Christ took hold of us for? Now here's what's interesting. That word, to take hold of, it means to lay hold of, to bring it to the point where it's your own. Where it's your own. So here's what we're going to talk about very quickly, because we talked about last week. We're going to press on at K2 the Church. We will continue to press on always to the goal of eternal life. And, um, and here, so here's what's interesting. Because Paul says, I'm going to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, we've all seen these, right? You've seen a ton of movies, any action movie. There's always somebody who's hanging from the cliff, right, with one hand, or there's somebody who's going down the river and, and, and they're gonna drown. And so in each one of those situations, you know that they're on their way to death unless somebody comes along and rescues them, right? We've all seen movies like this. So when the person is hanging there and the tension's rising and the music's getting intense, what happens? Somebody leans over like this, right? And what do they do? Do they stand there and go, hey, come on, get out of there. Right? Is that what they do? No. They go down and they grab hold. And then they always say, hold on to me. But the Savior in the story never says, come on, just reach a little bit more. I'm right here. This close. All you got to do is reach up. No. I mean, we'd all be going, what a jerk, right? Why is it that we think God's a jerk? Because way too many of us think, hey, I'm right here. If you just reach a little farther, I'm right here. Just try a little harder. I'm right here. No way, man. He took hold of you first. And then he said, now take hold of me. That's good news, man. And we're going to hold on to that because what did he take hold of us for? It's for eternal life. He wants, this is so good, he wants your spirit and his to be reconciled. You were created in God for God. And you will never find the fullness of your life until your spirit is enmeshed with the very spirit of God till you are found in him. And then his love is yours. His joy, his joy is yours. His peace is yours. His kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, his wisdom, his strength, his power. See, that's eternal life. You, all, and all you do is go, okay, and you receive it. And so that I want to tell you, at K2 the church, no apologies ever, as long as we're in existence, as long as I'm hanging out here. The message at K2, no matter what building it is, we are going to hold on to the message that eternal life is a gift given to me that therefore I hold on to and I experience. So that's the first point. Here's the second one. Philippians 3, actually verse 13, and then we'll get to 14. Verse 13, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. 
So, you know, what's, why, okay, why does he say that? He goes, okay, Jesus Christ took hold of me, and I'm going to take hold of it, but I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, I haven't yet totally taken hold of it. What he's saying is, I know Christ, but I don't fully know him yet. There's still areas in my life that Jesus is working on. There's still things about God that I don't understand. And I, the cool business is, as a child of God, I'm always going to be in progression getting to know him. So even Paul, who was like super Christian, just says, he goes, I, I want you guys to know, I have not taken hold of it. But, look at this, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, okay, listen, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God has called me. And if you're a Christian, God has called you. If you've received him, he took hold of you. And Paul's like, okay, I want to know why he took hold of me. Because every one of you need to know in this room, there's a reason that God grabs a hold of you. Yes, it is to save you from your sin, and then it's to enmesh you with Christ. But then Christ has an idea, and as he has a purpose, there's a calling on your life. And he, the cool thing is, and then there's a prize that we get. So what does all this mean? Well, let me just say, here's what we're talking about. This is, this is what we're going to hold on to today. We're going to press on at K2 to the goal of the prize of people. We're going to press on to the goal of the prize of people. Now let me try to explain this. First of all, when he says a goal, this whole imagery that Paul's using were, were of the games back then. Okay, if you can picture the big right, Colosseum and the, and the arena and the racers and the, you know, all their togas and their, all, their, all that kind of stuff. That's the race. He's picturing that. Every time a runner ran the race, there was a goal at the end, and it actually, that word means a physical object at the end that a racer, as he's running, he would fix his eyes on that, and therefore he would know, right, where he's supposed to go. That's the goal. So you fix your eyes on that because you want that. I'm going to get there. Second question. What's the prize? What is the prize? Actually, it's not eternal life. Because what Paul says is, I'm forgetting what's behind, and I'm straining ahead to get the prize. And I just want to tell you what, eternal life isn't the prize. Why? Because you already got it. You guys get this? See, this is huge. And you got to picture that word for strain is, it's a sprinter. You guys seen those slow motion, 100-yard dashes? The guy's mouths are going, you know, they're just, you know, and they're, they're just going, and their chest pumping, they just want it. They're can I just tell you this? Isn't it good news that you don't have to strain to get eternal life? Okay, that's supposed to be, yeah. No, no. Woo, all right, yeah. All right. No, no, seriously. And I, uh, the best news of Christ is, can I just give you the gift of eternal life? Yes, I'll receive that by faith. Great. Now I'm gonna rise up within you. Any true any true follower of Christ is filled with the Spirit of God. And when that happens, he rises up within you and he gives you strength and power to run a race, to win a prize. Not to get eternal life, 
but because you've got eternal life. So what's the prize? Every one of you, okay? Now this is gonna be good because when you get to heaven, you can't go, Nelson never said that, okay? <laughs> I'm gonna say it right now. So here you go. Every one of you, when you die, will stand before God and you will stand before Christ. And what the scripture tells us, the prize will be your heavenly father looking at you and saying, well done. Well done. Good and faithful what? Servant. See, God has things for you and me to do. And it's a prize. And I want to tell you this so clearly. To know that prize, to, to run this race, when you stand before Jesus on that day, you are going to want to know that what you lived for here now was for eternity. Trust me on this one. The, I just know this. I don't care how hard we run this race. I, I still know this. We're going to stand before Jesus. And we're finally going to get to eternity, and we're going to go, what was I doing down there? Why did I spend all of my time, all of my resources, my best energy on stuff that I'm not taking with me? Do an, can I just ask you, do an inventory of your heart right now. What is getting your best? What's getting your devotion? And I just want to encourage you, you're going to want to stand before Jesus one day and you're going to want to know I ran the race to win the prize heavenward. That's what I'm going for. And Christ, why am, I going to do, why am I going to do that? Because he has called me to it. When I was in here, when I got baptized, when I received Jesus Christ, there was a calling that came with that to help me to live for something bigger than myself. All right. Now, so how do we describe what that prize is? I just want to tell you, this is, this is good news. Every small, tiny, big medium, I don't care what size, any step of faith that you take, you'll hear, well done. Anything. Anytime God says, do this, and you respond, well done. Anytime you knew his word and you did what his word said, he's going to go, well done. So that, that, that fleshes itself out in many, many different ways. But here's what I want to tell you. And we're, we're, we'll close with, uh, in our last 10 minutes with this. As Paul makes it very clear, though, he defines the prize. He defines the prize. In 1 Corinthians 9, look at this. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run. Guys, listen, listen to the God's word. Let God's word seep into you this morning. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And this is what I tell you at K2, we're going to hold on to this call. We're going to hold on to this goal to press into this. So again, he goes, man, run to get the prize. Go into strict training. Do it because you're going to get a crown, a prize that will last forever. Okay, well, what's the prize? The four verses before that, he defines it. This is so beautiful. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. 
Paul says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. To win, notice the word win, as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I'm not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. There's a beautiful verse right after that and in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul says this, for what is our hope, our joy, what is our crown in which we will glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus when he comes? What is it? What's the prize? Is it not you? You. Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Okay, listen. Every one of you who claim to be a Christ follower, if you claim that you have eternal life, then you have a calling. And it's to win the prize and run the race. And I want to tell you, the prize is when you will stand before Jesus one day and it will be every person. Because you guys, what else is going to heaven? Is your, is your home going to heaven? Is your job going to heaven? Is your car going to heaven? No, the only thing that's going to heaven are people. And that's the prize, that you know you lived your life in such a way that it impacted others for eternity. And I tell you, man, it was so funny. We're interviewing Eric, and then he, he just goes off at the end, and I'm like, are you kidding me? This is totally what I want to say today. So watch this. I just start meeting people every Sunday, talking with them, and not pouring out what I needed, but it was like a mutual thing. I wanted to find out what could I do for them. A lot of times we think that we have to um, help people out by what we have here on earth more than we have to realize that once we accept Christ, we have that ultimate love that He has. Now it's just like the, like a containment. I can't, I can't contain, I can't contain the love that Christ has for me now or that he's filled it within me now. I guess that's a better way of putting it. I think my ultimate hope is this. Is to be able to empty myself as much as I can and fill myself as much as I can with Christ's love. Not to keep it, but to be a funnel to it. And to be able to help all those who just need that need that love that surpasses all understanding. And I, my hope is, in the final run, that those that I touch their lives through Christ, because I don't want to take the credit of myself, but those that I touch their lives through Christ, that once they see Christ's face, 
that they be able to, when they see Christ face to face, I want them to be able to say, you know what? Eric Dickey reminded me a lot of you. You know, if I can only live that type of life to where I reflect what Christ is all about, and for when they finally meet him face to face, then I know I did what was right. I know I did. Isn't that awesome? I have never heard it put that way. That was genius. That when they get up to see Jesus, they're going to look at you and go, Jim Thorsonson, he reminded me a lot of you, Jesus. Ellie Anders, she reminded me a lot of Jesus. I tell you what, you guys, there's nothing else that you want to live for. So we're going to hold on to that here. K to the church. I can tell you this right now, man. God did not call me to live out here because it's pretty. I'm glad it's pretty. <laughs> you know, thanks. You know, thanks for not sending me to Mississippi or something like that, you know. Um, hey, my sister lives there. I know. I've been, I've visited her. Uh, I, I'm glad for all that. There is only one reason that K2 the church started. And that's because everyone in this valley matters. So here's what here's where let me just close and show you. I'm gonna give you four kind of props so we can tell you at K2 the church, in the midst of moving and change, what's not going to change here? Here's the first one. Uh, we're going to hold on to the call of everyone. We're going to hold on to the call of everyone. And I want to tell you, man, this has been one of the sweetest gifts to me about K2 the church. That right now in this room, I had, I, again, I had a buddy who came and he did a men's thing for us a couple years ago and I was driving him to the airport and he looked, and I just said, man, you, you, you speak all over the nation. I go, so tell me, what, what's your perception of K2? And he goes, I can't figure you guys out. <laughs> and he goes, every church I go to, everybody looks the same. He goes, I looked out at those men. He goes, nobody looked the same. And isn't that cool? Yeah. See, there's something. Here's what I want to tell you. Everyone is welcome in this place. Amen. Everyone is welcome in this yeah. place. And I, I don't care what your background is. We don't care what your history is. We don't care what your faith is. You're welcome here. And I tell you, man, I know some people felt like, man, if I walk in here, this place going to catch on fire. You know? Well, praise God, man. That's what we need, you know? But I, I just want to tell you, we will, no matter where we go, and I love that Eric said, he goes, man, I was on the tracks, and I saw this place, and I thought I'd just step in. How cool is it that now we're on I-15? Right? <laughs> How, could, how many more people need to drive by a place and say, could it be that there might be a God who would actually love this messed up person? I want to tell you, that's who we are. We're the church for the messed up people, and we're never going to stop being that, but we're for everyone. Number two, we are going to be committed, and we're going to hold on to the call of authenticity. Of authenticity. In a room with no windows, you can hide, but you can't see. And many of you are hiding. And you got a ton of junk and a ton of pain and a ton of sin. And so you want to make sure there ain't any one of these so that nobody can see it. So you've walled yourself up 
And because you don't have one of these, sure, you can hide, but you can't see. And as soon as you put a window in, the beautiful thing about authenticity is you can finally see and you find out you don't have to hide. That's the gospel. And I want to tell you, I know so many people throughout the 10 years have said, what I appreciate about K2 is it's just real. And I appreciate the truth that you just talk about the realness and the sin and the struggle. In fact, somebody just emailed me uh, two days ago. I got a message from someone. And they said, thank you for all the times you wondered, you questioned, you worried about whether or not you're doing the right thing, saying the right thing, preaching the right thing, making the right move, but you persevered anyway. Thank you for sharing your humanity so that we all see that even pastors struggle. Believe it or not, it's actually comforting to know you are, you, it's comforting to know that you have your times of struggle. Not because I'm glad you struggle, which is nice, thank you, <laughs> but because hearing about your struggle gives me strength to persevere through my own. Well, I just want to tell you, man, any person, pastor, I don't care who you are, who's acting like they got their act together is a liar. And so we need this. And the gospel of Jesus Christ says, guess what? Jesus goes, I see everything. <laughs> and I, what? Love you. And I'll save you from that stuff that's destroying you. And I tell you what, as long as you wall yourself up and try to act good and try to act religious, talk to people this week, it's like, man, it just feels like everybody at church has got their act together. Oh my gosh. You know? <laughs> Are you kidding? No, but that's what you all think. You think the person next to you is good and got their act together. You know what? We're going to value this right here because this values the gospel. The gospel is I'm messed up and Jesus came and grabbed my sin and took it into him and gave me his righteousness. Remember that? That's, that's what that verse said in, in Philippians. He says, I am now found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. See, that's really good news. Because if you have to, many of you right now, the reason you're wall walled up is because you think you have to have your own righteousness and you know you're not good enough for God, so you're hiding from him. When the truth is, that's why he came. You don't need a savior if you're swimming the backstroke, right? You need a savior if you're going down. You're all going down. Take a look. And I tell you what, man, if we can continue to value authenticity, share our struggles, be honest with our sin, quit trying to glorify yourself and glorify the one who gave you his righteousness. That is what we want to be about and we will no matter where we go. All right, so we will hold on to the call of everyone. We will hold on to the call of authenticity. Third thing, a little more practical, we're going to hold on to the call to Salt Lake. God called us here, right? So this is where we're going. So here's my symbols, right? We got our street crew t-shirt. Right? And so that's a commitment that we have to be down in the city and ministering to our homeless friends. And so we are going to continue to do that. How many of you uh, have one of these shirts? How many of you got this shirt, right? We're better together. This is our commitment to be in relationship with South Salt Lake. And we will never stop trying to figure out how to, because Jesus, when he came, he didn't just save us from our sin. He brings what is right into the world. And that's our job as the church now, to bring what is right into the world. And so we are going to be committed because God has called us. This is our city, this is our time, and this is our church that Jesus lives in to help impact the very place where we live. All right? 
So we're going to be committed to that. And here's the last thing. We are going to hold on to the call to the world. God's called every church to be involved, not just locally, but to be involved globally. I love a guy, he calls it globally. That's what we're supposed to be a part of. So here's our three, right, that we're going to do right now. Our commitment to Swaziland. So we have a medical team that's going there uh, in March, just in a couple months. But we're also accepting applications today. We're having our next trip will be in October. So out in the lobby, if you want to sign up for our trip in October, please do that. Secondly is our commitment to Honduras. And we are so grateful that the politics and the danger there subsided, so we have re-engaged. And so there are applications as well for a trip in May. And if you're interested in the Honduras trip, right after the service, just come down this hallway, right back here, right behind the building where the nursery is, they're going to be having a meeting uh, right after the service, and they'd love to have you. So we are going to hold on to the fact that God has allowed us the honor and privilege to minister to kids all over the world who just needed love, who needed clean water, who needed food, and we're going to continue to do that. So right along those lines, the third thing uh, that we have going on right now is what we're calling Kids Feeding Kids. So on February 21st, uh, it's a Saturday, in the former Old Navy store at the Gateway Mall, we are gathering 1,000 volunteers who are going to be packing 200,000 meals. Isn't that awesome? It's so cool. Yeah, you can just, it's, it's very cool. So, and here's what's exciting. So uh, K2 kind of launched this thing. We have an amazing team of people who are, who, are, who are getting this off the ground. Already, so as soon as it went out, 500 people signed up right off the bat. Already, 763 people have already signed up. So that's, and, and here's what we got. We have local businesses coming. We have schools coming. We have youth groups from other churches coming. We have people from other faiths coming. We are gathering everybody together, and it's going to be an amazing experience. So here's the deal. We saved 200 spots for K2. So you got to get out in the lobby and sign up right away and come join us. And here's what's exciting, too, just so we know. Like, the food that we've always been packing and feeding has gone directly to our partnership in Swaziland. Okay? Kids Feeding Kids is under a larger organization called Starving, uh, Feed My Starving Children. And Feed My Starving Children, that organization, they send food to our care point. Is that cool? So we still, as we pack, the stuff we pack will actually go west. So it's, it saves money because it won't have to ship it as far. Um, but still, the food that we pack goes right to the organizations that we're working with. Okay. So here's what I'm telling you. Sure, we're moving. Sure, we got a different brick and mortar. But Jesus Christ is still alive, and he's living in us. But here's what's cool. What is K2 here for? See, it's not about us. It's about us. All. That was even better. (laughs) Because that's what Jesus says. We will always be about bringing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to every person on this planet who was created by him that he died for. And we're going to give our life so that they can know him. And we'll never stop doing that. So, band, come on up. And let's begin to close our evening. Or our evening. It's been a long day. Uh, <laughs> we'll close our morning um, in worship. And here's what, I, here's what I want you to do. If you finished up your cards... We're going to take our offering here in just a second. If you finish up the cards, I want you to go ahead and put those in the basket. Can I just, can I just ask you this, though? So K2, the church, us, the leadership, and what we do here as a church, we are going to hold on to this goal to win the prize. 
We are always going to be about as many as possible. That's what Paul said. I'll become all things to all people to win as many as possible. Here's my question. Are you holding on to that goal? Just you. If you're a follower of Christ today, do you realize you have a call on your life? And someday you're going to stand before Jesus. And will you receive a crown? Will you receive a reward? And it'll be the people that you've poured into and helped get to know Jesus. And so, greeters, let's come forward. Let's take our offering. So you guys, again, the key center of giving an offering, right, is simply, again, it gives you a chance to say, God, you are first in my life. That's all a tithe is. A tithe, whatever you give, it's what goes first. So when you give financially at a church, the heart issue for you is simply saying, yes, God, first, you are more important than anything else in my life. But God's whole plan was, thank you very much. I will take those resources and I will use them through the church to make my glory shine and do ministry locally and globally all around the world. So just know that your finances are going to do that. Jesus, would you move? Would you take the resource that you've given us that we're going to give back to you? And would you use it for eternity? Jesus, you told us, don't lay up your treasure where moth and rust can destroy it. Lay it up in heaven. Well, God, as we give back to you, we pray that you'll use this to build reward in heaven. Use it to touch people's lives until eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.